Well, hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding Business. This is Understanding the Law Radio, your business success and legal information station, and I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Today, episode 169, we have a really great guest, Eric Banholtz of Beard Brand, and he is going to be sharing his story, his journey as an entrepreneur, how he took a blog and a YouTube channel and created a very successful company out of it. We're going to talk to him about his experience building the company, marketing, his experience on Shark Tank and where he is right now. So I'm very excited to have him on the show today. Now, before I introduce Eric, I just want to thank today's sponsor. And today's show is sponsored by All Language Alliance Incorporated. Their website, languagealliance.com, provides trusted legal translation services of sensitive legal documents in more than 100 foreign languages. Contact All Language Alliance, Inc., to obtain a certified translation of multilingual documents and to retain court-certified interpreters for cross-cultural depositions and to get professional legal translation of e-discovery documents. You can give them a call at 303-470-9555 or again visit them on the web at languagealliance.com. Eric, I'd like to welcome you to the show and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. What is going on, Peter? Happy to be on. <laughs> I'm happy to have you. Um, you have a really great story because yours is that true entrepreneurial journey, not something that you fell into, was handed to you. I mean, you worked a real job and took that job and translated it into this entrepreneurial journey where you are today. So um, I, I think that it's a great story and I want to hear about it and I know that our listeners do too. So talk a little bit about how you went from having a full-time real job working for the man like everyone else and transitioning into this idea of, all right, I'm going to go do something different. Yeah. I mean, the, the story really starts, you know, throughout my whole life. I've had this desire to be an entrepreneur, to be my own man, to, to kind of, set the the terms of, of how my life and, and how I wanted to live it. So um, I kind of went in and out of entrepreneurship. I, I had a couple of, uh, um, I worked for the man for various jobs, uh, usually in sales. And then um, I, I tried a few different business startups that never got off the ground. So I'm as much a, a business success as I am a business failure. Um, and it was kind of the, the final culmination was when I was working as a financial advisor at a big bank and I just absolutely loathed everything about the corporate lifestyle <laughs> and uh, I just really I just couldn't take it anymore I had this idea to, to do a, a graphic design business and uh, I, I quit working at, at the bank and and was lucky you know uh, you talk about having stuff handed to you I was I was very lucky to have a wife who's very supportive and and who's also uh, pulling in income to, to help with the process. But um, Beard Brand Story starts with me actually starting a different business. And that business uh, also didn't take off the ground, um, but it allowed me the ability to work on Beard Brand kind of side time or, or on my side time uh, to start building that community and building uh, momentum and, and funding uh, Beard Brand and then just kind of letting it take over kind of organically right now when you started beard brand you, you obviously didn't start with a whole product line I mean how did you start to develop it and, and something that you said that's interesting you talked about sort of letting it grow organically talk about how you got the word out how you created the idea the company and built up a following because you're not going to be able to sell product to anybody if you don't have people interested in what you're selling. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the really fun thing with, with Beard Brand is it's an extension of a, a passion for me. So when I quit working at the, the big bank, I, I had grown a beard in the past, but I've never like truly grown it really long. Like, and, and what I was going to do once I quit working for the as a financial advisor was I decided I was just going to let my beard grow and, and let it grow until I was done growing. And that turned into to what's called a yeard in, in bearding terms, which is a, a beard that you grow for a year. 
Um, so I was aiming for the year. And through this journey, I would go to uh, events with other bearded people there. And through my my journey, like at the time, everyone would call me like ZZ Top or Grizzly Adams or, you know, a biker or outdoorsman, mountain man. And, and while those guys are, are like cool people, like I never personally identified with them. I never connected with them. I never felt like that was part of my, my community. And it was through going to these events that I realized there are other guys out there who were professional, who are business people, who are entrepreneurs, who are designers, who also chose to wear a beard. And uh, it kind of struck me the term urban beardsman as the guy to, to, that's like that, you know, that doesn't fit the traditional stereotypes of, of what a beardsman is uh, in society. So I just kind of talked uh, about what it's like to grow a beard and what it's like to deal with that and how to handle, you know, your coworkers, you know, making terrorist jokes or whatever, and, and then giving them good tips on, on how to optimize you're growing and, and how you can grow your beard faster and, and make it look the best um, and was able to just really connect with with our community um, about that message and and it was easy for me because you know I was talking about something I was passionate about you know something right. that that I, I I really enjoy you know I spent so much time learning and, and reading about beard care like long before we even sold you know one product so, I mean, that, that clearly is a very important point. I think that a lot of times people will go into a business and they're not fully passionate about it. And if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to succeed. I would imagine that you spend a, or, you know, if not now, at the beginning, you must have spent a tremendous amount of time on the products, on the company, and you couldn't do that without having true passion for, for it. Yeah. And I mean, like passion can come into play like in a different a lot of different ways. You know, my co-founder, uh, Lindsay, she's a, a woman, so she, she doesn't really have a passion for beard care for herself, but she has a passion for building <laughs> the business and, and being successful. So it's not to, to necessarily say you absolutely must 100% have passion for your the product you're selling, but you do have to have passion for what you're building. Um, and Lindsay, you know, she does have passion uh, for what we're building as well and the community we're building the people we're uniting. So, um, but it makes it like the thing with entrepreneurship and, um, all, all the entrepreneurs out there are going to relate is it's a, it's a lonely, hard, you know, at times miserable journey. And a lot of times it, it really, really sucks. And if yeah. you're dealing with, uh, one of those, those real crappy days, um, and, and you're not passionate about what you're doing, then then your business is just going to up and fold. And, and really, the reality is that's what happened to my other projects. You know, I, I had these ideas, but I wasn't passionate about what I was building. Um, so I just let them kind of uh, fall to the wayside when when things got tough. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you said it. I mean, being an entrepreneur is totally a lonely process because even if you have a partner, it, it's all on you and your partner, and there's not a lot of other people to just go and, and blame or lean on. And what you do with your company, it's it's on you, and that's a frightening, lonely thing sometimes. Yeah, and, and I can't imagine, uh, I mean, I love, I've got two business partners who I absolutely adore, and I can't imagine doing this without them. It would be, you know, infinitely more challenging. I, I know there's a lot of people out there who who refuse to work with business partners, but for me, it's it's uh, it's crucial to to have that person to to pick you up when you're down, and 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 for you to be that support system when when they're down or or doubting their decisions. Right. Now, when you started growing your beard out, and you started going to community events and talking to other bearded people. Did you at that point know, okay, I'm going to create Beard Brand, or did Beard Brand come out of your love for beards and your discussions with people? So, Peter, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so I always have ideas. You know, the ideas usually never never stop coming. So uh, I always had this idea for a lifestyle brand um, focused around the, the bearded lifestyle around urban beardsmen. And the vision was actually, uh, when I first came up with the idea for Beard Brand, wasn't a grooming product company, but it was like apparel and clothing and accessories, a, a really a lifestyle company. Okay. Um, and, and what we found is 
that our customers really wanted us to be a grooming company. So uh, we, we started with grooming products and uh, we tried some apparel and it, and it didn't really go as well as, as we would have hoped um, or we didn't have the expertise and experience in it to, to execute on it like we would hope. And uh, instead uh, decided to shift our focus into grooming products and, and make that the primary way and still build that lifestyle, but build it through uh, grooming rather than through apparel. So it sounds like you listened to your customers and your audience and decided that you were going to give them what they were asking for because ultimately you can promote market and develop new product lines that go along with what your original idea of urban, or urban Beardsman was, but now you've got that following that's going to purchase from you because they trust you. So you listen to them and I think that's a crucial lesson for entrepreneurs to learn. Yeah, and, and for us, listening wasn't so much as like customer surveys and feedback. It was looking at our sales numbers. You know, uh, people talk with their actions. Um, and, and those actions are a lot more valuable than what they say because everyone's going to say they'll want something. Um, but when you actually put it out there, you'll see how true that is. Right. Um, so it's uh, um, listening and, and, and viewing your business is, is very crucial. Um, but it's not simply just a, a communication. But that being said, you know, I'm real active in the community. So I talk to a lot of people as well. And I get a good feel for, for what they're asking for and what they want. Yeah. And I think that, you know, making sure you understand what your customers want. You know, it's one thing to have this idea and say, this is what I'm going to give you. But when the sales numbers don't reflect that people are accepting it, you've got to be able to shift your focus a little bit and say, all right, let's give them something they want. And, and that sounds like that's what you did, which is a great thing. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's always changing. And, and that's the fun of business is, is figuring out exactly what your customers want and, and how to bring it together and, and how to make it different than, uh, than your competitors out there. And, and, and everyone has options, you know. And, you know, if for us, it's not necessarily the option of going to a competitor, but it may be the option of shaving your face or, or having a beard and, and not taking care of it. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, we're always fighting to, to win our customer every single day and, uh, you know, never take anything for granted. All right. Now going back to, you know, you, you've quit your job, you're no longer working as an advisor. What did you do? Because this is a common question that, that people who are going to make that shift into the entrepreneurial lifestyle, what did you do for money? while you were transitioning into your company? Well, so uh, I had uh, my my primary activities was my freelance graphic design business. And I had a couple of accounts that that paid maybe like one to $2,000 and and then supplement that with with my wife's income. We were making money from that. We started Beard Brand very leanly. So we had a a $30 Shopify store and um, we were able to buy products in very small units. So I think my first order was like a hundred dollars worth of, of beard care products, which is, you know, looking back is incredibly small. And, and essentially any money that we made with beard brand, it all went back into beard brand. So I didn't pull really, I didn't pull a dime out of beard brand until uh, about 10 months into the project when we were making, uh, $75,000 a month. So it's not something where um, you can expect to grow if you start pulling money out of the beast really early on. Now, you know, that's that's an interesting figure because you're talking less than a year and now you're pulling in significant money every month. Some businesses, it takes two to five years before they see anything. What do you attribute your, I'm going to call it rapid growth and success. What do you What do you attribute that to? You know, I, I think um, a little bit of it was being uh, at the right place at the right time as, as one of the early players into the, the beard grooming market. But at the same time, there were, we weren't the only beard care company out there. Um, and our success, you know, outgrew uh, a lot of other companies. And I think really the reason was is, is our authenticity towards what we're building and what we're uh, producing and, and how we take care of it. So um, in addition to that, not only that, but like encouraging guys to, to grow their beards out. 
So not only did we capture the audience who's already out there, but we helped grow the market uh, as well. And I think that's going to be uh, the harder challenge. You know, when you talk about business, the easy thing to do is, is to get on Twitter and, and uh, AdWords and PPC and buy ads and kind of collect um, the audience who's already ready to buy. Uh, and, but in that market, you're really competing with your competitors. The harder way to do it is to uh, build a brand, to produce content, I guess more kind of, they, they call it top of funnel type of marketing, where there's going to be less tangible results. And that's always been a primary focus for our company, is focusing on, on that strategy for, for connecting with our audience. And I think that's been a great way for us to really build that bond and, and to have loyalty from our customers and, and not only have that loyalty, but, but have something where they feel confident they can tell their friends about it and their friends will, will go out and, and get some. So it really sounds like it's about developing the relationship with the customer as opposed to just trying to sell them something because you sell them something, it could be a one hit wonder. You get them to buy into you because you're sharing and they realize the quality of the content, and then you have customers for life. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I never, you know, I don't like to think that we have customers for life because uh, um, I'm trying to earn their business every single day, every single reorder. Uh, I'm, I'm working hard to, to, re, to, to reap in that. So it's, you know, we don't do this because their business is for life, but we just do it because we think it's the right way to, to, to build our company and, and the right way to sell our products. And and we've got great products too. You know, it's not like uh, we're doing all this with with real junky products. But the big thing is that community that we're trying to build, and and just the the education, and and we try to give as much as as we get back. So if if we're doing that, um, then we're going to see success. And and I think that's been a big big part for us. You know, a lot of companies out there they just want to take from customers. You know, they just want their money, they just want their sales, um, they just want to move products. Um, they don't want to give to the customers at all. You know, they don't want to give a good experience. They don't want to give, uh, you know, education or value. Um, all they want to give is, is the product. Um, so we're a little bit different that way. And that, that really is reflected in your YouTube channel, both of them, Urban Beardsman and Beardbrand, because you're giving away information and you're not, you know, at least 99% of the videos you're not trying to sell anybody on anything. You're giving away free information. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, it's, it's very taxing. I was actually up to, to about 1 a.m. last night creating uh, two videos that, that I uploaded on Urban Beardsman and, and uh, Beardbrand. And, and the one on Beardbrand that I just posted was on uh, bars of soap, you know, and, and we don't, um, I didn't even talk about any of the soaps that we sell. I just talked about kind of the educational process of how soap is made and, and what to look for in a soap and help them decide, you know, what they want as a consumer. And then I also showed them uh, a new product that, again, we don't carry that I didn't get paid on, um, just something that was, that I found really cool. And, and I think people, um, when you do that, people trust you. So when you do ask for the sale, you know, when you go in and say, hey, look guys, I do sell some awesome products. I'd love if your support. And then they'd be like, okay, yeah. You know, like he's given so much. He's given us a lot. Um, I don't feel bad, you know, spending 25 bucks with them and, and getting a, a good product in return. Right. And, and I think that's such an important point because I, I think that a lot of times people will use social media or YouTube to just push what their agenda is. You know, buy, buy, buy. Here, here's this, here's that. And I want your business. But they don't give anything back. And, you know, is, is what you do the way you are or is it a strategy? Because it seems to me as though what you say in the videos, the way you come across, the way that, that you deal with things, it sounds like it's very genuine. Like if I were to meet you in the street, you'd be the same way as you are on the videos. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it would be really hard to make like 150 videos and, and put on this game. and. And, and be someone who's different. Like, so um, Beard Brand is an extension of myself. It is who I am. Um, we, do, we do have various strategies within our organization. We're a very strategic company. Uh, and one of our strategies is, is just confidence and, and knowing that what we're building is great. And, um, 
you know, if, if people want to buy from us, that's awesome. You know, we're really excited about that and we'll support them. But if they don't, you know, there's a lot of other options out there. We're not going to pressure them into sales. Um, we're not going to pressure them into buying because I don't buy that way. You know, like when I want something, I go out and I get it. You know, I don't really price shop. I just want to know that that I'm taken care of. And so we're really yeah. going after a customer who's who's similar to me and similar to how I buy and how I want to be treated uh, treated as a customer. Yeah, and I think that's really important to kind of approach your business as if you were the customer because what what would you want? What do you want? I mean, we just had uh, a show uh, last week where we were talking about you know going into a store and having somebody pressure you 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 makes you want to walk out of the store and not shop there again you want to go and shop your way and i think it's important for people that that have a business to understand that you've got to give and bend the way that you know you would want if you were actually the customer you can't just force feed people things yeah and it's funny you talk about that retail scenario it's like when i go into retail um, and I want to talk to someone like I want to talk to like a very knowledgeable person who has a lot of information and who can educate me. I don't want to talk to them to be sold. So I, I personally, when I go into a store, I have this kind of confliction of do I talk to the person or not? Because am I going to get sold, which I hate, or am I going to get information, <laughs> which I love? You know, so it's right. uh, you're sitting on the fence. And then I think what you do is you start to, to learn different retailers who who do sell that way, you know, who do sell on education and, and put a lot of resources into training up their team and, and making sure people are knowledgeable. So there are companies out there, it's just a matter of finding them um, and then supporting them as well. You know, like if, if that's something, if that's a way you like to purchase, then then definitely, you know, buy that way, you know, don't, don't take all their education and then go to amazon.com and, and get it cheaper. Right. <laughs> all right, now let me ask you a question because this is, uh, sort of one of the themes that we received with questions coming in, uh, and we talked before the show that we're not going to be able to get through those questions today because we're we're trying to learn more about your story and success, and hopefully in the future we can come on and and you can answer some of these questions. But one theme, um, people are curious about how you actually created as an entrepreneur the product because it seems as though a lot of of startups they don't know how to go out and get a manufacturer, to get a distributor. They don't understand that concept. And your product, what you're selling, um, you know, let's talk about like the beard oil, for example. You've got beard oil that are different scents. They're in very nicely packaged, you know, you've got your label. And people are curious, like, how do you do that? How do you start that? Where do you go? Well, for us, we actually started by selling a different product. Uh, and that's a great way to just kind of get your toes in the water and see if it does work with your audience. And, and that's kind of a, a, a process that we've been favorable to is, is bringing in other products and, and seeing how our customers react to them and then working to develop them. Uh, I talked about uh, before Beard Brand how a, a graphic designer. So, you know, designing the packaging was, was done by me in-house. Uh, it's a a skill I've developed over you know 10 or 15 years um, so it's not something that you automatically have but you know that's that's anything in entrepreneurship is hustling and figuring things out because nothing is figured out like even at uh, you know uh, Walmart levels they're still struggling to figure out new things and you've got to have this passion to first of all take risk and and make moves that may not be right um, but also to uh, um, learn and to find that information to research. And, you know, there's there's no like golden platter of, hey, here's how to build a, a billion dollar business. Just follow this blueprint. You know, the, the, right. the sad thing is you've got to go out and do it. You've got to go out and you've got to listen to like podcasts like these where you learn from other people. Um, but, you know, my experience I don't have a background in cosmetic chemistry. You know, I didn't come from a beauty company. I didn't come from L'Oreal. I wasn't trying to build a, a beauty men's grooming brand. You know, like this is a passion of mine. So it, it all goes back to like, you better love what you're doing because if you don't, you know, it's gonna be very exhausting. When you spend, yeah. you know, eight hours or 20 hours trying to find the right bottle, 
you know, we've spent tons of time, like just finding the right jar. Um, and that's exhausting, you know, but it's, it's uh, yeah. not as much when you're, you're passionate about it. And, and, you know, you talk about the time it takes you to find the right product. I think an important point is that you have to provide a product that represents you and your brand. And so you don't just go and rush something and say, all right, I want to get something on the shelves. I want to sell something. So I'll just take this and, and we'll use this. That's really not how you want to build a business. You want to take the time so that when you put your product out, it's you. It's a representation of you. Well, I, I actually might disagree with that a little bit, you know, because as a as a creator, sometimes you, you aim for perfection and that perfection prevents you from progress and it will slow you up yeah, for a sure. bit in the product. Um, we've been very, uh, rather than building the perfect product, what we try to do is, is build what we think is appropriate and then be really responsive to our customers and, and what they say. So we, for instance, uh, we created a product that we loved. Uh, Urban Urban Garden was the name of it. We put it out there, um, got in the hands of a few customers, and uh, a lot of them liked it, but a few of them didn't like it. And and that ratio of of liking to didn't like wasn't you know what we aimed for. So we brought it back. We we made some revisions to the formula, uh, made those tweaks, and got it back out there. And and now it's a more highly regarded product. Um, so, you know, what I would have hated to done is to spend even more time building that product, even more resources, and then get it out there and still find out it's wrong, you know? So, uh, right. being, being lean and being able to react is, is far more beneficial than being able to create the perfect thing, uh, on day one. Yep. I, oh, I agree with that. I agree. Uh, and I think a lot of times you can get so mired in perfection, you're never going to achieve it because you can never please everybody. So you just have to do what works the best, you know, overall. But you, but you're correct in the sense that the product has to be you. You know, I, I can't go yeah. out there and just put out a junk product that's cheap and, and filled with like a whole bunch of synthetic products and ingredients and, and stuff like that. Like it's got to be true to the brand. Um, but, you know, with the flexibility of, of uh, being able to adjust it as well and, and not having any shame in that. Now, in your first year of business, what was your primary product? Was it the beard oil or something different? Yeah, uh, beard oil, mustache wax were our, our top sellers. And what was a really good product for us was our Beardsman kit, which, uh, you know, I saw all those beautiful, like, straight razors and high-end shading kits. And there's nothing for the Beardsman out there. And, and it was inspired to build something very premium and, and very high-end. And, and that's been a huge, huge uh, success for us. Now, in that first year, I mean, do you have a breakdown? Do you know, because I mean, we're talking about making a lot of money per month. What was the product that was selling? Was it the kits or was it the individual oil? Yeah, it was both. I mean, I think, you know, revenue wise, uh, beard oil was was number one. And then our Beardsman kit, because the Beardsman kit such a high ticket item. Uh, generates a lot of revenue, but of course not as much as many units. Uh, right. And then we've since, you know, our product line a little bit and, and and added that on. But beard oil still continues to be a great product for us. Now, you know, at, at the time that you created Beer Brand, I mean, mustache uh, wax and and beard oil, it's been around forever. Why do you think people purchased from you in that first year? Why do you think? you were able to raise that kind of money in such a short period of time. What did you do differently? Um, I was very, um, for a few things. I was very immersed in the community uh, on Reddit, on YouTube, on Tumblr. And I was also very transparent. You know, I was very open about what we're doing, it, how we're doing it, um, why we're doing it. And I think, that transparency builds a lot of trust with people and, and when they know who they're working with and what they're buying and exactly what's in it, um, then that breaks down a lot of barriers to, uh, to, to purchasing. So they feel that confidence, they feel that comfort. Um, they're okay with, with, you know, people work hard for their money. They're okay with parting that money for, for what we produce. So, um, it, 
we try to build very personal relationships with our customers. So there's a lot of customers we, we email regularly on a daily basis. You know, I've met with customers in London and, and New York and, and Australia, you know, I let them know when I'm traveling and then we get together and I have some beers and, you know, it's, they're not business meetings. They're just talking and, and hanging out and, and right. meeting people. And, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of uh, companies do that because, first of all, um, there's no face behind the company. You know, it's just a, a website with uh, with products on it, and there's no story behind the company. Um, but we've made it really, really important for us to tell our story and, and share, you know, uh, the, the team. Because no one can duplicate, you know, me and Lindsay and Jeremy and our, our team at Beard Brand. You know, they can copy our products and... Um, you know, imitate our branding and, and things like that, but they can't copy me. Uh, so right. we really realize that and, and make that a big priority in, in how we communicate. Now, are you still a lean company or do you have a significant number of employees? Um, well, I think we're lean compared to a, a billion dollar corporation, but uh, we're, uh, we're, we're growing rapidly. We're up to 12 team members and we're looking at bringing on about four more. Um, so business has shifted from this kind of bootstrapped mode where we were making deals and working part time and working with uh, freelancers and independent contractors to trying to build more organizational structure. Uh, and the way I kind of like to describe it is, is move from like a you know, a business is like a, a human being. You start off as a baby, uh, you start walking, uh, you start running, you're an adolescent uh, where you're just kind of ornery and, and difficult. And, and for the past, you know, uh, five months, six months, we've been in that adolescent stage, you know, where we're just, as a business, we're trying to, to get things done and make them work, but, but we're not totally proper. We're not totally uh, kosher. And, uh, and then um, we're trying to move into that adult company. And that's kind of the transition we're at now. Gotcha. Now, you talked earlier in the show about how sometimes being an entrepreneur definitely sucks. And there's, there's difficulties, there's obstacles, and there's people that say, you know, you're never going to succeed. How do you personally deal with fear, negativity, and challenges? How do you deal with it as an entrepreneur? Well, I mean, for me, there's uh, when people doubt Beard Brand, it doesn't really bother me uh, too much because I am passionate about what it is, and and I do see the vision as well. You know, when I first started, uh, when we first started selling product, it was, you know, what are you going to do when this this shaving trend ends? And at the time, you know, I was doing like two thousand bucks in sales or five thousand bucks in sales. Everyone called a uh, beard brand a niche business, and I'm like, look, there's there's like a hundred million guys in the world with facial hair. Like, if I can get a hundred bucks from from ten of them a year, or uh, from ten percent of them a year, I mean, that's still uh, what is that a uh, you know ten million dollar company or a hundred million dollar company, something like that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I'm like, I'm doing five thousand bucks a month, like. Like even if this this uh, trend ends and it goes from a hundred million to thirty million, that's still you know a huge marketplace. Um, right. And I always saw that, you know. But the challenge is the education and, and getting people to see it. So with those kind of haters, it was uh, it was really uh, not very difficult to handle. But you know, there's other things within a business like you know what kind of benefits do you give to team members or, or how do you hire people or what do you pay people or what is that hiring process like that? You know, I don't have a lot of experience. Doing. You know, I've never built a team from, from zero to a hundred or zero to 10 and, you know, figuring out those, those structures, you know, I do have challenges and, and that's really for me, the importance of, of having a business partner or business partners where, you can talk it out and, and hash it out and, and just make sure that you we align with, with what we want to do. Right. Now, let's talk for a second because we were talking about haters and people that didn't get it and, and didn't understand it. Let's talk about your experience on Shark Tank for a minute. You went on the show. 
you had your kit, you had all of your product, it looked great, and they just didn't get it. And, you know, they, you didn't make a deal. I'm sure you got a ton of publicity from it. But what was that experience like? Did you go in expecting that they were going to react the way they did? You know, uh, yeah, speaking of, hey, there's that was a, a great segue, Peter. <laughs> we, uh, I, uh, I knew what we had done with Beard Brand, and I know that, that what has happened with Beard Brand is not a uh, normal expectation for the growth of a business. So uh, I knew what our numbers were and, and how we we're growing, and, and not only that, but how we we're also able to grow. And that put us in probably like the top five percent of businesses that have been on that show so we have you know fundamentally a phenomenal business and going into my show was like how am i going to handle multiple offers and you know how am i going to tell certain sharks no because we want to work with you know a, a different shark and like that was kind of the things that was on my mind and, and i was a little surprised that that none of them even made an offer you know it just kind of um but like they like I just didn't do a good enough job to help them understand what we were building and, and how cool of a company beard brand is. Um, yeah. So I was I was a little surprised by that. Do you think that and, and not to be stereotypical of the sharks, but do you think that those investors just did not get the idea of, of an urban beardsman, somebody that can be intelligent and professional and have a beard, do you think that those people thought, and obviously you don't know what they were thinking, but do you believe you know, that they were more along the lines of biker and the old stereotypes that people with beards suffer from? Well, for any of that have seen the show, uh, when, when Lori was backing out, uh, she said, you know, I can't think of anyone who grows beards except for the Amish so I'm out <laughs> and I'm like like my whole thing is like we we didn't grow to the way we were growing by selling to the Amish obviously because they don't buy on the internet so I think you know <laughs> to right. a certain extent um yeah like I don't think they get it I don't think they they see many people with facial hair or if they do they just they ignore it it's not part of their life um and I think that's that shows some opportunity for us as well. You know, it's kind of uh, we we still have a lot to prove in in terms of uh, men's grooming and, and taking care of of yourself. Um, but I I do think uh, you know I, I think like Mark Cuban he said uh, the reason that he didn't want to invest is he could see our company grow to to five million dollars and then kind of petering out. So uh, you know I don't think that was necessarily. Um, getting it i think it was he thought that the market was was pretty small and uh, you know i think uh you know that's a that's a fair argument and then uh, i don't think damon really had a good excuse mr wonderful he wanted stuff cheap and and i wasn't going to part ways with with stuff for cheap and then uh, i don't think uh robert was really into it either i don't think he was into the whole beard beard grooming right now, did you see sales as a result of the show? Did you get uh, an increase? Yeah, Shark Tank was uh, great. We had that initial boost on, on the day that it aired and then the day that uh, um, kind of that weekend. And, and it was a really good timing because uh, we have what's called growing season when all the guys seem to grow their beards out. Um, so sales pick up in the fall for us. And it really kind of uh, gave us a lot of momentum going into the holiday season. Uh, I don't know what our holiday season would have been like without the Shark Tank, but it was it was definitely a boost. That being said, Shark Tank isn't isn't like this golden ticket to to success, health, and happiness that that everyone or that the show would lead you to believe. There's still a lot of work right. uh, behind building a company and making sure that your customers are taken care of. Yeah, and you know, some people have been on Shark Tank with a great idea or a great company, and they've been presented in a way that actually is detrimental to their company. And it hurts them, um, and and others, you know, end up being successful with it. But the process and what you see on TV is is really just the end result of a lot of of months of dealing with 
network people and and the man essentially because I mean that's who you're dealing with on that show you're dealing with the man right yeah I mean there's a there's a lot of risk in being on the show you know only 80% of the the people who pitch to the sharks will actually get on air uh, you've got to pay to uh, set up your booth there so there's there's financial risk in it and then uh, you're in there for like 50 minutes and uh, they edit that down to about five or six minutes so they can portray you in any way they want you know so there's a huge mm -hmm. risk in the fact that they could have portrayed uh, me or, or our company as you know comical or goofy or, or whatever it was uh, and I was pretty fortunate that I, I, I think they fairly accurately portrayed uh, what went on in, in, the, in the pitch you know I think uh, how I was dealing with the sharks and and how the conversation went I, I feel like it was uh, an accurate portrayal so I, I would imagine there's there's some people who pitch in there and, and they feel it's completely different that uh, what yeah. went on between them and the sharks wasn't portrayed uh, accurately on on TV so there is you know there's just tons of risk but it's the whole risk versus uh, reward you know there's a huge payoff as well now at this point are you still an online company and do you have any um, you know, thoughts of maybe moving into brick and mortar retail stores? Yeah, we uh, uh, we sell probably about 85% of our stuff directly uh, to our customers through our online sites. Uh, we've got two, beardbrand.com and beardbrand.co.uk. Um, but we do, uh, my, my business founder, Lindsay, she runs our wholesale division. So she brings in uh, our retailers and we've got over uh, 200 retailers around the world uh, most of them are, are very specialty boutiques, premium uh, stores that, that get our mission and, and get what we're trying to do and, and that we can build a partnership with. Um, and then we do uh, work with other, um, a couple of other larger um, uh, retailers uh, in a limited role. And do you have plans on expanding your product line? And, and I mean, are you in a position now where you can take what your original plan was for, you know, an, a, an urban men's style? Do you think you're at that point now where you can transition into other things, other products? Absolutely. I mean, uh, our, our goal is, is not to rest on the laurels of, of what we've built. We, we see a, a potential for a full line and, and we're building out our line. We've got our oils, our waxes. Uh, our cones, our brushes, our um, beard washes, beard softeners, and uh, we're we're going to be launching some new products here, you know, month by month. So uh, we'll continue to grow out our line, but you know, beyond just beard care, we are a, a men's grooming company. So there's lots of opportunities to to get into to body care and hair care uh, that we're excited about in the future. So beard brand is going to be uh, something that that others can other guys can connect with if, if they choose not to have facial hair. All right, now let me ask you, this is more of a personal question, but you mentioned your wife being supportive. And uh, I get this question a lot. Difficult is it to share yourself with your business and your family? You have you have at least one kid? Yeah, my uh, uh, I found out that my wife and I were, were pregnant after uh, about five years of infertility. Um, essentially a few days after we officially launched the store for beard brand. So that kind of lit a fire under my, my ass as well to make sure that beard brand got up and running. So I didn't have to go back to, to the corporate world to, to support the family. Right. Um, it's, it's a challenge, you know, it's, uh, uh, having a business gives you a lot of freedom to, to kind of define your schedule and, and what you're doing. So, uh, you know, if I want to get out of the office or step away or grab lunch with, with uh, my wife and kid, I can do that. Um, but at the same token, like when you're building a business, like it never leaves your mind. It's, it's always there. So that, that burden of, uh, uh, of the business can also take away from, from your relationships uh, uh, with your wife and, and your kid. So it, it is a challenge in, in trying to figure out the, the balance uh, is is very difficult and something that you know I'm working to improve upon, uh, maybe day by day. But the the goal is kind of the the short term sacrifice for the long term gain. That's yeah, always been I like think, a 
I think what you were saying about uh, working on it day by day is important because I know how difficult it is. You know, a lot of times you know, you'll have a spouse who just wants you to be there for them and your mind is focused on the business. And so some got this sort of conflict because even when you're with them, you're still thinking about, oh, I should be doing this or the business, this or that. And it's really tough and it is really a day by day thing where you have to constantly try to improve so that you know you keep your your solid family relationship because that's so important yeah and and where we're at now with our business is is really trying to get me in an almost like a hundred percent strategy role um and then uh, a creative role in terms of of my youtube videos as well but beyond that like step out of everything so that's kind of our our, our transition is is that adolescent phase where i'm doing i'm doing too much you know uh, and get into the point where I, I'm not doing as much, um, and, and I can focus my energies on on that strategy, and then of course my my family as well, and and giving them the time that they need. So um, we don't have everything in place for that now, but uh, hopefully with a, a few key hires, we'll get closer to that. Yeah, good. Now let me ask you this: You were a financial analyst. That was your original career. A financial well. I was a I was a salesperson, but I was a financial advisor okay. for, for a period of time. Okay. Now, here's my question: Is or can be, and and anybody who out who's out there that is a salesperson, it's not derogatory, but it can be a difficult, it can be a challenging job, but it can also be very mundane. I don't suspect that you had a lot of experience on the job with social media. How did you? end up utilizing social media and learning how to do it to your benefit I meaning that for example your youtube channel is personable and friendly it draws people in your you, you figured out that magic formula if you will about giving away information how did you learn how to make social media work for you um you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on the internet, <laughs> so uh, it's probably the, the worst answer. Like, I probably spend much time on Facebook, and, and really for me, it's, it's I'm an observational type of guy, so I, I really take note of, of how the communities interact, what they say, what they post, and, and what's going to be effective there. So you can't really do that unless you spend a lot of time on those platforms. So I spend a lot of time on Tumblr. and. And YouTube was a challenge for me, you know. Uh, YouTube for me is is an extension of, of my narcissism and, and wanting to be famous. Um, so there is a little bit of, of selfishness in there of, of kind of uh, being on stage. You know, I, I love that. I love the thrill of, of being a performer. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's not something that um, I really like went to class for said like, Oh, I'm going to conquer social media or oh, I'm going to figure social media out. I just, I just use the tools how they're intended. And I think that's really what it comes down to is there's a lot of movement out there for like this called like growth hacking. And I think growth hacking is kind of not using the tools how they're intended. It's like how to take advantage of it and game the system. Whereas uh, our system and process has always been, you know, how has this been built to use and what are the expectations of the community and, and how can I just really produce good information on these platforms to make sure that it works rather than, you know, how do I produce crappy content and hack my way to get a whole bunch of views or, or you know, interest. Uh, just kind of right. like a, a different mindset. Yeah, you know, so many businesses will start up with social media and they don't understand the idea of the connection and the sharing it's just like, all right, you know, I'm on Facebook and here's a coupon and I want you to buy this and I'm going to just push out stuff that other people are writing for me. And then they wonder why there's no organic growth. Nobody, you know, everybody's annoyed that their ads are popping up in their feed. They don't understand how to use it. And it sounds like you just used it as a, as a consumer and then translated that into, all right, well, now I'm going to just use it the same way for my business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, you know, um, it's not the the easy way. It's the hard way, which sucks. You know, it's like you use it as a consumer. You've got to create great content, and great content isn't easy. Like, and and we're still working to figure out how to produce better content. 
Um, right. So it's it's hard, but um, you know, if you can invest time into creating good content, then that makes it all that much harder for your competitors to do the same thing. Like if you get by by just hacking or buying ads or whatever, then anyone else can do that. But if you get by by right. really working your your tail off and creating good engaging content, not a lot of people can do that, and, and that's going to set you apart. No, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, your growth in that first year was was really uncharacteristic of most startup businesses. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I don't think what happened to us is is the norm with with businesses. You know, and I think it's important for entrepreneurs to understand that, you know, it doesn't happen like it happened to you all the time. And there are years of, of struggle and building. And I think so many people in, in today's world, you know, because we're an instant gratification society, you want a song, a movie, you just download it, you know, you, you get it all now, but you're still, as you grow your business, you still have to understand, like you were talking about those baby steps and the, the development uh, into, you know, an adult business. Um, and I don't mean an adult business, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that idea of, of taking it slow, if you have an entrepreneur that comes to you and, and, and says, listen, Eric, you know, I've been doing this for six months and I've been putting up good content and I'm not getting followers, I'm not getting likes, nobody is sharing this, what am I doing wrong? What would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, I think if, if someone's producing um, something for six months and, and it is truly legitimate good content, then, uh, it may be simply tapering their their expectations. You know, maybe they misjudge the marketplace or or what's out there or or how valuable that content is to uh, the community. But um, you know, there is a little bit of luck in, in play, and and um, kind of like that consistency is going to win out in the long run. You know, people will get exhausted, they'll get tired, and they'll quit doing it. Um, but if you can power through that, uh, you'll be able to build your audience. It's um, it, you know, to, to, to tell someone who's been doing it for six months, you know, what are they doing? I don't know. Like, uh, I am on Clarity, so if, if someone wants to pay me uh, for, for my advice, I'd, I'd be happy to, to look at their personal situation and, and maybe give them a couple tips and pointers on how they can make adjustments and make things better. Right. But I, I think that it's important for people to understand that it doesn't happen overnight. And just because you're not getting, you know, look, I've had people come to me and say, look, I've been doing this for a year, putting out quality content, not getting the followers. And so I've decided that I'm going to buy followers. And that's like the worst idea ever, you know, yeah. ever. Yeah. I mean, I uh, talk about doing it for the year. I think my first year of my YouTube channel, uh, we had 300 followers. So, um, you know, take that into consideration. Like before we had 60,000 followers, we had one, you know, and then we had two and then we had three and then we, we kept producing content and, and then it kept showing over and over again. So, uh, that second year, I think we had, uh, geez, I used to have a chart, but it was only like a thousand, you know? So like within, um, a year and a half or two years, it was still a very small community. Uh, and it wasn't until, um, deep into the process, many, many, many months right. into the process that we started seeing that, that growth on the channel. Yeah, and it just, you don't give up simply because it doesn't happen, you know, as quickly as you would like. I mean, you have to listen, and, and if you've got a product that nobody wants, or services, or, or whatever you're giving that nobody wants, you have to, to listen to that and then maybe shift your focus. But in general, you experience something that most people don't, and I think it's important to understand that it might take a lot of time. So don't be discouraged if you really believe in what you're doing and, and you have the passion and you're willing to learn because being an entrepreneur is all about learning. You're learning all the time. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're not in it to learn, then um, uh, you're not gonna, it, it's just, you're gonna flutter like, cause. If your business has to continuously change and adjust and react, uh, and part of that is learning, and it's it's rooted in learning. So you have to always be inquisitive about how to uh, to improve the business. Absolutely. 
Eric, listen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to share your story with us. Um, if people want to learn more about you, you mentioned Clarity, but can you tell people how they can find you, how they can interact with you, get in contact with you, see your products? Yeah, um, I've got a pretty unique name. So if you just Google uh, my name, Eric Van Holtz, that is me. And uh, I've got a, a personal website, some social media channels. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on, uh, uh, of course, YouTube. Uh, Twitter is probably the best way to, to reach out to me. So uh, at Van Holtz. Um, and then, of course, uh, Beard Brand, uh, you know, buy some products. That'd be great. Yeah, and, and you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel because I, I think you give really high-quality content. Um, you, know, you did a video not too long ago about the history of beards, which I thought was really, you know, educational and, and interesting. So you're giving out great content, and, and I think that people should check out the YouTube channel as well. Well, thank you, thank you, and and I'm trying to get it better as well. So it's uh, I'm definitely not resting on my laurels. So there's a lot of room to to get that content better, and uh, and I will continue to to get it better as well. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I wish you continued success. You've done a great job. You've built a great company and a great brand, one that I actually use myself, and and can actually say the products are as good as they are, uh, you know, promoted or advertised to be. And so, uh, you know, congratulations and, and hope you uh, continue your success and maybe we'll have you back on to try to get through some of those questions that our, our listeners ask. Yeah, that would be awesome. Looking forward to it. All right, perfect. Eric, thank you so much again. and We'll talk to you soon. All right, cheers. Bye-bye. So just wrapped up with Eric Van Holtz of Beard Brand. Um, I think he had a lot of good advice and you know, there's this recurring theme that we should be taking away from our, our, our you know, understanding business shows. And that theme to me is telling your story. It's not just pushing your product, it's telling your story. It's making you part of your company, your business. And I don't care what kind of business it is. You could be you know, selling widgets, you could be an accountant, it doesn't matter. You and your story are important. And that's, I think, a critical point that we should take away, uh, especially from, from what Eric said today, because if you look at him on, on YouTube and, and you follow him, he is on YouTube the way he is during the interview, the way he is on social media, the way that he promotes the product. So it's, it's him, and he's giving you some insight and uh, some of his story and that, I think, is what makes people so willing to try his products and, and to be loyal customers to the brand. You know, aside from the fact that, that it's super high-quality stuff. And, um, you know, I, again, I mean, I, I, I'm not getting, any, not getting paid to talk about Beard Brand. I think that his story is interesting, and I think that we can learn from him as entrepreneurs. But I can also tell you honestly that I have used the products and I think that they're, they're high quality. So a combination of telling your story, providing high quality content, high quality products, and that passion and belief in what you do, I think are some of the keys to success. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Understanding Business. Again, I'd like to thank Eric from Beard Brand for being here today. Check him out. There's links in the show notes to Eric's websites. Uh, to beardbrand.com. Check that out. I also want to thank again today's sponsor, and uh, that sponsor was Language Alliance Inc. And their website is languagealliance.com for your legal translation services. So check them out, and, and thanks again for sponsoring. I want to remind you to make sure that you check out utlradio.com as we are making constant upgrades to the site, providing you with the most high quality content that we can cram in there. So check that out. We're always tweaking it and, and offering new things. Also posting new, um, our new schedule, a new lineup, who's coming on, new giveaways. So it's all there for you at utlradio.com. Check that out. And please make sure that you pass this along to your friends and family and colleagues. Let them know that utlradio.com is here to help them with their business, their personal life, and with their legal life. 
things that you might have to do that are legal in nature. So let them know about us. Let them know about Understanding the Law Radio. Uh, we want to really reach as many people as possible so that we can help you answer your legal questions, answer your business questions, develop and grow as people. And, and that's what we're all about here. We're about personal development, business development, and legal growth. And I think that um, you know the support that we've received has been phenomenal. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to download the episode, subscribe on YouTube, check out utlradio.com, and leave the comments and feedback that you've been. I really, truly appreciate it because you know it means so much to me to know that I'm, I'm giving so much of myself and you guys are receiving it and appreciating it. And I, I thank you. It, it means so much to me, um, more than anything that I've ever done, to get that, that feedback and support from our fans at utlradio.com family. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And please pass this information along, share it with other people. I think that success in life is about giving back and sharing. So please share this episode and let people know about utlradio.com. All right, that's going to do it. Please stay tuned to the channel uh, as we are going to have new content and great guests coming up. We have a, a wonderful September already planned and a great end to August. So make sure you stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes to the podcast, do that and also subscribe on YouTube so you're notified when new videos are posted. That's going to do it for me. Until next time, thank you, and remember that there's power in understanding the law. savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.